Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. This is one of our Give Big Sundays that we have a couple of times a year. Um, and this is essentially just a time um, in the church calendar where we want to be really generous in our giving because we believe that God calls us to do this, basically. Um, but before we dive into our passage um, and the talk for today, I'm just going to briefly explain what we're going to be giving to this Give Big. Um, so as we know, CCM is just one church in one city in the north of England. But we want to do our best as a church to live out this uh, great commission that we've been given by Jesus to make disciples of all nations. And in part, we do this through each of our sites, through planting sites into new areas of the city. Um, but we know that this commission is so much bigger than just us and, the, and just our church, right? Um, and then it's going to take the entire church across the whole world to fulfill that mission of Jesus. And ever since CCM began, a big part of what we've been about is serving the wider church um, and helping to equip and resource it for God's mission. And so our Give Big this May is going to be all about supporting and developing some of the initiatives and projects that do this in Manchester. And so these include a few different things. Firstly, the Broadcast Network, which was started by Tom O'Toole back in 2013, is an online platform that provides training to church planters that they can access completely for free from home as well. So Tom's been running this for many years now, and it's now expanding, which is really exciting. We now have a partnership with the Unreached Network, which is providing cross-cultural training for people who are exploring the call to unreached parts of the world. Um, a lot of this content as well is being translated into Russian um, so that we can serve faithful pastors in um, Russia and parts of the Ukraine, which are both obviously very challenging places to be pastors at the moment. And we've also hosted events in both Spanish and English, which is very exciting. So we're going to be giving into that, firstly. Secondly, we want to give into serving churches across Manchester. So over recent years, a growing number of churches in the city have actually been looking to learn from CCM, which is pretty exciting. Um, and particularly, they want to learn from Colin's experience and from his wisdom. And so we want to be able to free Colin up to go and be Colin um, in other churches and to be able to give uh, more of his time and kind of experience to be able to serve in this way and use that opportunity to bless um, Manchester, basically. And then also we've got the Northern Gospel Powerhouse. Now, this is an initiative that CCM has set up along with some other churches in Manchester again. Um, and the goal with the NGP is to empower church planting across the north of England. And so we do this through offering funding grants to church planters, um, connecting them into training through the broadcast network, and then other initiatives as well, basically providing care and coaching and support for church planters. So that's another fantastic project that is going to go directly into blessing our city. And then finally, interns at CCM. We love to invest in interns. I was an intern once. Um, that was fun. Um, offering just <laughs> practical experience, discipleship and equipping for them. And so this September, we're going to have three new interns supporting the ministry of CCM. And we'd love to be able to uh, pay for their training expenses because that can be expensive. Um, so those are the four different projects that we're going to be investing in. We believe that this 
mission that we have, like I said, is so much bigger than just our church. Um, and so we want to start by investing in our city. And we know that God is on the move in Manchester. And so we want to be a part of that. So I arrived in Manchester in September 2015, so about eight years ago now, and I distinctly remember my first impression of this city, um, and it was simply the smell of urine. <laughs> um, I lived in student halls that were in the city centre, and the halls were right next to the most popular um, student club of the time that was called Factory. Um, I'm not sure if it's still going. I think it might be. Um, and every morning, I would wake up and go out of my halls to go to uni at like 8.30 in the morning, and I'd be hit with this smell of um, urine, alcohol, and vomit was the mix. And this is a really unique smell, I can assure you. Um, I remember thinking, I'm going to get my degree, and then I'm out of here. Um, also, naturally, being from the South, I'd forgotten to take a coat with me, um, in that kind of first, the first week I came up to Manchester, I had no coat, which was obviously really silly because as we know, it rains a lot here. And by the end of September, it's starting to actually get really cold. So for the most part of my first year in Manchester, my plan was eventually to leave and find somewhere nicer to live when I could. Um, but over time, as I got to know the city a little better, as I began to make friends here, study at the uni here and get involved at church, my heart began to soften a little bit towards the city of Manchester. Moss Side kind of became quite endearing in a weird way. Um, the Northern Quarter became a really exciting place to be, walking down the Curry Mile on a summer's evening, long walks in Fletcher Moss Park. I began to see Manchester in a very different light and I began to put roots down here and now I would say it does feel like home. And that's not to say it's perfect or the most idyllic place to live. But once I started truly investing in living here, it, be it began to feel like home. And in many ways, God has opened my eyes to how he wants me to be invested in this city. And we're going to talk about that a bit more later on. But this morning, I want to talk about um, a guy from the Bible who invested in his city. We're going to be reading from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. Now, this book was originally put together with the book of Ezra, which is the book that goes before it. And both of these books narrate the stories of a series of people called by God to go to Jerusalem and restore the temple that had been destroyed and bring the people back to God. And actually, they fail all three times. Um, so it could be seen as quite an anticlimactic uh, story. But today we're going to see how God gets hold of Nehemiah's heart to invest in the people of Jerusalem. We're going to look at what it means for us to invest um, in our city and become part of God's bigger plan of redemption. So we're going to read Nehemiah chapter 1, verse, um, chapter one until chapter 2, verse 9. So it is, a, it is a quite a big chunk, but we will get through it. So it should come up on the screen behind me as well. So it says, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, 
Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heavens and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favour in his sight, let him him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of God was on me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. So for a little bit of context, this book of Nehemiah is set after the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem and its temple, and they took many, many people away into exile. And so Nehemiah was an Israelite official serving in the Persian government, So he's got this really prestigious job and word reached him that the temple in Jerusalem was being reconstructed. And he basically grows anxious knowing that there was no wall um, to protect the city. Nehemiah asked God to use him to save the city and God answers his prayer by softening the heart of that Persian king, Artaxerxes, who gave not only his blessing but also loads of supplies to be used in the project. And so Nehemiah is given permission by the king to return to Jerusalem where he's made governor. And then in spite of opposition and accusations, the wall was built and the enemies were silenced. The people then inspired by Nehemiah give tithes of loads of money, supplies and manpower to complete the wall in a remarkable 52 days. So we're going to see firstly how God breaks Nehemiah's heart for this city of Jerusalem Then we're going to see how Nehemiah got alongside God's plan for his people. And finally, we're going to see the part that Nehemiah Nehemiah played in God's bigger story of redemption. I wonder, do we have any deep feelers here this morning? 
um, I'm definitely part of this club. And it can certainly be a blessing and a curse at the same time. I can feel um, negative emotions quite strongly, but I can also feel immense joy and happiness. So it is um, a blessing and a curse at the same time. But whether you're a deep feeler or not, I really believe God wants you to feel. And if we look at the life of Jesus... He felt the full weight of all human emotion. He went through the ups and downs of human life. His heart was consistently moved by God. And God wants to move and stir our hearts for things much bigger than just our own lives. In the passage we just read, God moved Nehemiah's heart for something much bigger than just his own life. Nehemiah had a pretty cushy and comfortable situation. He was cupbearer to the king. This was a really prestigious job to have. And yet God moves him emotionally for something seemingly quite unrelated to his life. In verse 2, Nehemiah says, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Here he's asking those returning from Jerusalem what the situation is basically and how the city is doing. Nehemiah's physical body was in Persia, but his heart and his interest were in Jerusalem 800 miles away. We might think that a prominent man like Nehemiah had more important things to think about than a distant city that he'd never been to and a people he was basically a stranger to. Yet because his heart was for the things of God, his heart was not looking out for himself. He was basically for others. He he had the heart of God essentially given to him. God broke his heart for this city. Often when you feel strongly about something, you're much more motivated to act. And we are quite inherently selfish beings. It's very easy for us to care mostly about ourselves and our own situations. But as Christians, I believe that we can expect that God will allow us an insight into how he feels about his people and his world. For example, last week, I watched a Q&A interview on the Broadcast Network, which is one of the initiatives that we're giving to this month. Um, and this Q&A interview was with a church planter who has devoted his life to helping churches in the UK become multicultural. His mission is not to plant churches where there are simply loads of nations and cultures represented, like in the congregation, but actually to plant churches where people of all backgrounds can thrive feel accepted and have equal opportunities and influence over the church. And this man had had his heart broken for a situation that breaks God's heart, which is racism. When Nehemiah heard about the destruction of Jerusalem, he says in verse 4, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed. Nehemiah's immediate reaction is really extreme. He didn't just feel bad for Jerusalem and its people. Right away, it says that there was no strength left in his legs. So he sat down and he began to weep and to mourn. Nehemiah's heart was broken for the city. About um, three years ago, uh, Beth and I started praying for the Spanish-speaking population in Manchester and basically praying that we could reach them and eventually have um, a church service for them where they could worship in their own language and that is now um, what we have which is very exciting but what that looked like in the first few weeks of it and the first few months of it was God actually consistently sometimes in small ways just breaking our hearts um, for the population of isolated Latin American immigrants living in Manchester and out of the blue we began meeting people who'd suffered um, because of language barriers um, or social problems or financial problems And although this didn't necessarily directly relate to us in our own context, we began to feel 
a little bit of what God feels for this group of people. The more we met together to pray, the more God stirred us and moved our hearts. Nehemiah began to invest in the city by becoming aware of what was going on, what the cultural climate was, and taking it to God in prayer. Directly after the verses where it talks about how he sat down and wept on hearing the news, it says that he prayed. He asks God to allow him in on God's mission to save the city. He wants to be part of it. And he brings to God his requests and his heart for the situation. He starts his prayer by saying, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant of mercy with those who love you. Nehemiah immediately adopts this posture of humility. And humility begins by simply understanding there is a God enthroned in heaven and I am not him. How often do we start our prayers with diving straight into what we want God to do for us? Nehemiah recognised exactly who God is, describing him with many magnificent titles, and it put his heart in the right place. You are God and I am not. And when we're thinking about giving, particularly giving back into our city, investing in in the place that we live to see God on the move, we don't just want to do this um, because we should. And my job this morning is not to guilt trip anyone into giving. We want to encounter God in prayer and we want to have our hearts moved by his spirit when we come before him. We recognise our place in his story and we ask him um, to allow us to become a part of it. So let's be a praying church, just like Nehemiah was, so that when God calls us to make our next move, we're listening. So firstly this morning, I want to encourage us to pray. Um, Pray for Manchester, pray uh, for God's mission in this city, and then pray about what to give. Um, Me and Connor have started praying this week about what we want to be giving to this Give Big. So maybe an idea would be maybe to find somebody else um, to pray with about it as well. Sometimes that can be really helpful. We can see from this story of Nehemiah that it was in prayer that God began to get things moving for the betterment of the city through Nehemiah. It didn't just happen because Nehemiah thought, I should probably lend a hand here. It was when Nehemiah prayed that God softened the king's heart and allowed him to go. He mobilised him into mission. So let's be a church that does the same for our city. So we've seen that Nehemiah had his heart broken for what broke God's heart, and that was the catalyst for his mission. But we can also see that Nehemiah didn't have a perspective of it being a big, grand plan that he could pull off himself. He recognised that he would be getting alongside a bigger plan that God had already been working out for generations already. My husband Connor is a massive um, basketball fan. He spends a lot of time playing basketball in Platt Park, a lot of time watching basketball, and then also a lot of time watching films and programmes about basketball. Um, And so last weekend, surprise, surprise, we were watching a film about basketball. Um, And this film was called Coach Carter, extremely American film, um, and it told the story of a team of delinquent young basketball players who were all involved in crime in in some way, Um, and their future prospects weren't looking great either. And so this new coach comes in with a mission to turn these guys' lives around through discipline in basketball. And initially, a lot of the players, when they're playing, they just want to hog the ball and be the one to shoot all the hoops, which is a new phrase that I've learned. Um, They want to be the one to get the glory and make their team win. Um, But the more that these players did this, the angrier Coach Carter got as he was trying to teach these guys the importance of playing in a team. 
playing from a certain position and sharing the load of the work between the different players. And actually, this method proves effective. And in chapter three of the book of Nehemiah, we're given a whole long list of people who worked on rebuilding this wall. This chapter is 32 verses long of names and jobs that people had in rebuilding the wall. And they vary from laying beams, putting doors on hinges to doing repairs. This was a massive undertaking pulled off by thousands of people. It wasn't just Nehemiah rebuilding by himself. And when we decide to invest in our city for the work of God, we are partnering with Christians throughout history who have joined in God's plan for the redemption of his world. Nehemiah was a guy who understood that he was working on something that would go way beyond his own life, that he wouldn't necessarily see the fruit of it either in his own lifetime. If we want to see the city influenced, we've got to know it won't just happen by one person, by one of us swooping in and saving everyone. We all have a part to play and all of us have different things to offer, like that basketball team um, all playing from different positions. Like I mentioned earlier, some of the Give Big Money is going to go towards freeing Colin up to help other churches and also um, towards the Northern Gospel Project. And that is an example of churches working together Um, So we recognise this sense of a need to work together and in the process we get to set a legacy for something so much bigger than just what CCM can influence in our lifetimes. A couple of weeks ago, a few of us um, from the staff team, we went down to Worcester for a conference and we ended up hearing from one of the church leaders at the church in Worcester um, about the building that they have. They have this incredible multi-purpose church building with a kitchen and various um, different floors, and it's right in the town centre of Worcester. And since this building project was finished, they've held drop-in mornings, um, and it's become a designated warm space for anyone off the street to come in, get a cup of tea and chat to people. And they're really seeing God work through having this building. But they were praying for this to happen for a really long time before it happened. And interestingly enough, the guy that Beth and I were chatting to was saying, yeah, it's fantastic that God has answered our prayers and we're seeing so much fruit from it. But actually, I'm so grateful to all the churches and believers from years and generations ago who started praying for Worcester and who were desperate to see God's kingdom come here. And we're living in the fruit of their work now. And that absolutely floored us. They had that perspective. I wonder what it would look like for us as CCM and as individuals just living in this city to be that invested in God's mission for his people, to be that outward focused that even if the outcome won't directly affect our lives, we're still in. This is what Nehemiah did. He sacrificed his comfortable position in the king's court and he experienced God's favour and God's provision in his life when he did so. When he prayed, God moved the king's heart to give him resources and protection um, so that he could go to Jerusalem. And we can trust that when we do invest and we sacrifice, whether that be financially or in another area of our lives, that God will look after us. At the end of the book of Matthew, when Jesus gives the disciples the Great Commission, he says to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This was the moment that God let us in on his great plan for the whole of humanity. We have been invited to join in on what God is already doing in his world. 
And the book of Nehemiah doesn't necessarily end with um, a massive victory. But what we can take away from this book as a whole is that Nehemiah is an example of someone who faithfully gave what God asked of him. He gave sacrificially and invested in God's bigger plan. His bigger plan throughout all generations has always been to bring people to himself. It's the main theme throughout both of the Old Testament and the New Testament. God just wants his people close to him. And we are living in the fruit of what Jesus gave for us those 2,000 years ago now. We now get to be in relationship with him because of what he gave up, his life for us. So let's get alongside what God is already doing in Manchester. Maybe for you, that looks like praying and saying to God, um, I'm in on this mission. I want to be totally invested in what you're doing in this city. Show me the areas where I can serve you, where I can give my time, where I have influence. Show me how I can give into what you're already doing. And Give Big is a fantastic place to start. When we give financially, it's not only blessing us um, because it does something to our hearts, but it also helps us become a little bit more invested and that little bit more sacrificial of our own comfort. It helps us to say, yes, God, I'm in on your mission for your people. Would you use me?